the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope you had a great weekend. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. In a few moments, we will have a chance to visit with Dr. Carol Swain. Dr. Carol Swain, amazing lady, amazing woman, uh, professor, candidate, author, I think she's written maybe 10 books, one better than the next. Um, she happens to be African-American. She happens to be a woman. She happens to have a PhD. I don't know, from someplace big, Princeton or Yale or somewhere. She's very accomplished. And she's very, very commonsensical. But here's the thing that's really important. She sees down the field further than most. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly used to like that uh, herself. She would try to see down the field. And uh, Carol Swain has been writing about the question of race and uh, CRT for years and years and years, describing what she saw. She was one of the early ones that said what Obama's doing is going to cause big time racial divides. So we'll talk with her. Also, Tony Lyons. Tony Lyons is a um, uh, publisher. He publishes Skyhorse Publishing. He's got a perspective. Big. He's a big RFK fan. Uh, but part of the reason he's a big RFK Junior fan is because uh, Tony Lyons published RFK Junior's book on Dr. Fauci a few years ago, and really it took off. And the two of them rode the wave of attention on that. So we'll talk with him in a few moments. But first, what you need to know today. What you need to know today is um, the. Um, Media is diluted yet again. And so I want to, as you often hear me do, I point you to Politico. Politico will tell you what the left is thinking, especially the left in the media. And the left in the media right now is thinking that Donald Trump is in deep, deep trouble. Now, in the last couple of hours, I noticed that Geraldo Rivera said he had read the indictments of Trump and he said they're nonsense. He said they're not real crimes. It's crazy. But so even Geraldo is out of the out of the loop on this. But the generally over the weekend on the on the weekend shows, the talk shows and on Politico on Monday morning, there was an article. And here's one thing. By the way, how come we got so crass? This is a big time magazine, the Politico magazine. The guy probably gets paid, I don't know, five, ten thousand dollars for this kind of writing. His name is Ankush Kadari. He's an attorney and a former federal prosecutor. And the title of the thing, now maybe he didn't write the title. I don't know. They always say that. People say they didn't write the the headline, the title. Yeah. But it's an it's an opinion piece. It's not a um it's not a news story. So I think usually your opinion piece, you get to give it a title. The opinion is, how screwed is Trump? Now, first of all, why, how did we get so crass? That used to be a terrible phrase. It was a really nasty, cl- classless phrase. Anyway, this guy goes on and spends, I don't know, 5,000 words explaining how terrible it is, how big deal it is, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't know really what he's talking about because a lot of this stuff is under seal because it's national security. But more importantly... This is what you would call, and Geraldo called it that, a process story, let alone a process crime. There's not really a crime underneath this. It has to do with, you may not like Trump, but the crime is a reach. And yet the left, and I'm talking all of the left, the echo chamber of the narrative machine is convinced this is the walls are closing in. This is the end. And again, I don't see it, but here's the wild card. 
The wild card is you're in federal court and you got federal prosecutors. And, you know, it's just a different ball game. If you know anything about lawyers and lawyering, you end up with both very capable people as federal prosecutors and arrogant ones, both. If you're like the direction, you say, look at that federal prosecutor, Rudy Giuliani. He's fearless. You don't like him. You say, look at that jerk, Rudy Giuliani. And when you watch what's going on, you I talked to somebody today, a friend of mine who was both a very high-level state prosecutor. Uh, I think he was assistant attorney general to a state attorney general, and then also worked in the feds as a federal um, uh, prosecutor. And he said, the people at DOJ that are doing this stuff, these are the hardest of hardball. And he said, nasty fighters. They are vicious fighters, and they're going after Trump. It, it's not minor league ball. That's my point. You're not, you're, you are going to see mistakes and it looks like Jack Smith's made, made some, but the mistakes are made by, this is like, you know, an error by, um, an all stars, uh, uh, third baseman, not an error because you're playing in Cape Cod league. If you're talking baseball here, you know, so that's the difference and that's what's going on here. But back to my point, the, the media and the narrative machine. Oh, it's the end of the world. It's the most damning thing. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. And again, I go two more uh, aspects of this that people are not saying clearly. One, there's no way this will ever go to trial before November of 2024 if the defendant or the prosecutor, but if the defendant wants to delay it. Because with very little effort, you can delay something like this for months and months and months. And, and in terms of the, you know, in terms of the normal trajectory would be probably six months. And all you have to do is add another, you know, six months, eight months, and you're into the new, into the new after the election. That's number one. Number two, we haven't even really seen it. We don't even really know because a lot of this is under seal because it's national security. That's one of the tricks of it. But as soon as the Trump team gets a full look at it, you may start to see some things change dramatically. Motions to dismiss and some things to, you know, limit stuff. I, I don't, I don't think this is as, um, uh, big a deal in terms of the, uh, in terms of what's underlying the indictment. I think it is a big deal in terms of the intensity, in terms of how, what it's like to be in federal court. And, um, Trump, you know, got a lawyer, uh, excuse me, got a judge that looks like she is at least more critical of the Justice Department's behavior than others. But still, they're going to have done things the way they needed to, to get what they want. These are not, again, these are not minor league ballplayers. These are not people that are new to the show. These are the top-level people, so we'll see what happens there. All right, um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll Carol Swain, Dr. Carol Swain, and Dr. Carol Swain, uh, carolmswain.com is her website, and Tony Lyons, Skyhorse Publishing. Don't forget, please visit proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com. Sign up for the daily email there, the daily wink, and uh, get yourself uh, in the loop. You'll get an email every morning at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time with a few links, a few pieces of information uh, that you need, and a lot more. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, Tony Lyons has been a friend of the program. I've had him on a number of times over the last few years and uh, very helpful at understanding what's going on in the uh, conservative movement and what's happening in the world because of his uh, perspective as a publisher. He's uh, he's a publisher. And also, uh, he was just telling me off the air that uh, so many times now he's out talking to folks uh, on radio and uh, and otherwise about how the censorship problem. So Tony Lyons, he's the president and the publisher of Skyhorse Publishing. He's an attorney himself uh, and has been in this for um, 25 years, uh, pushing uh, through with lots of good books. One of the things that caught my attention and he and I talked about um, was the RFK Jr. book that he published. A lot of other people, I think, took a pass on it um, and about Dr. Fauci got a ton of attention back when it was published, sold a ton of copies of the books. And now RFK Jr. is certainly a real national uh political leader i think he was before but now he's a candidate for president so welcome back tony first of all how are you good thanks Great so to be here. so first on publishing and you mentioned off the air censorship um you, you i think you called it strange times and then you segued into the fact there's so much censorship um tony is it is it the tip of the iceberg the stuff we see is that one of the problems? We see some major stuff, but, you know, the, you see a Tucker being pushed out or something, but that there's a lot more happening beneath the surface. Is that fair? I think it is fair. And I and I and I think that there's so many people who have been censored and so many voices that have been shut down. And, you know, you don't have to look far. I mean, the idea that that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, can be kicked off of Twitter or that. You know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. can come out with a book that claims corruption at the highest levels of government and sort of collusion with the most powerful companies on the planet, you know, to sell products that are not good for people. Um, You know, that you really see that none of our rights are are safe then, that if that if it can happen to Tucker Carlson, who's got millions of followers, if it can happen to a to a former president, if, if it can happen to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., then it can happen to anybody. And so, you know, one of the reasons why we came out with this new book, which is called The Real RFK Jr., it's coming out on June 20th yeah. by selling author Dick Russell, is because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been so incredibly censored and vilified over the last three years. And even before then, that most people have no idea who he is and it's hard to get the information. So he's out there trying to get his message through um, and it's being, you know, uh, played with and censored and de-emphasized and taken down. I mean, I tried to post a picture of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. uh, with me uh, holding his book Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and and that was not allowed to be boosted on Instagram. Wow. Wow. So they they didn't tell me why. And so I was thinking about what that means. So that means that Instagram has a face recognition program because it isn't there was no claim that was being made that could be misinformation or, or that could be claimed as as some kind of wrongdoing. It's just his face. So they were censoring <laughs> his face. Wow. I mean, that is just an amazing level of 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 fascism that has taken over this country and i think that we all need to fight back and that we need to fight back in any way we can 
And so I'm doing it by publishing these books. I've, I'm the co-founder of a, of a super back uh, called American Values uh, 2024.org uh, to, to raise money to help Robert F. Kennedy Jr. sort of cut through all of this censorship and propaganda so that people really know what he believes and what he stands for. Uh, but I but I think that all of your listeners ought to think about that, that yeah. there is a war going on here and it's a war for your mind. It's a war to control what you do, what you think, what you read, what you put into your body. And it's a serious war and it's a war against the middle class. It's a war against the hardworking people of this country. And it's to funnel money up. It's trickle up theory. Mm. a handful of billionaires and and people who are paid by them and the media is paid the government is controlled the democratic party you can see it there too they won't allow debate they're not going to they they don't want any sort of dialogue they just want to choose for you who your candidate's going to be so i think that we're in pretty dire times and we need people out there like robert f kennedy junior who are fighting to protect our rights. Uh, we're talking with Tony Lyons, and he's a publisher uh, at Skyhorse Publishing. He referenced uh, a book uh, that uh, I will make sure uh, that's called The Real the Real RFK Jr., Trials of a Truth Warrior by Dick Russell, available from Skyhorse, uh, anywhere you buy books. I was also going to say the two books that I really I, I was struck by and hadn't seen coming uh, that you published, Tony, the real Anthony Fauci uh, a couple years ago, um, and then the bodies of others uh, by Naomi, Naomi, Naomi Wolf. Two two people of wh- wh- which you know a couple years ago I wouldn't have th- five years ago I wouldn't have thought to read them. Two really good books, really interesting books, thought provoke uh, thought thought provoking. Um, but Tony, do you uh, what is the what is the control? You know, I said tip of the iceberg. Um, you mentioned that. Uh, oh, I know I was going to tell you. I did a search while we were talking for RFK Jr. And, and you get these stories. There's an unbelievable amount of hit pieces, right? It's not coverage of his campaign. It's the sad candidacy of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. from Newsweek. Salon has this uh, um, uh, incredible hit piece by this real lunatic feminist. And the crazy thing about this is. They used to like RFK Jr., I think. I mean, I, I th- on all the hot-button issues, I, I don't think he's that conservative. But uh, it's something, I guess, is it do, is your sense that he's a threat to the establishment? In, in other words, nobody owns him? Yeah, I mean, that's a scary thought, that you're a threat to the establishment if you believe in the Constitution, if you believe that the border shouldn't be easy to walk across, if, if you believe that freedom of speech is is the most important right that we have in this country, you know, if you believe that war is bad, if you believe that having a middle class that, you know, has a real sense of a future. I mean, Bobby Kennedy points out that 53 percent of Americans don't have a thousand dollars in the bank now for an unexpected medical charge, not a thousand dollars. That's that's almost 200 million people in this country. So we have a problem and those kinds of problems are not covered anywhere. The government is not addressing them, whether it's on the right or the left. It's not addressed. The media is not addressing it. You just get these narrow stories and and, and this narrative that is just meant to protect the people trying to extract money from the people of this country. 
And, you know, so I think that that these are the most dire of times. And, and these are times where you need a candidate that kind of transcends party so that it's not about right or left. It's about right or wrong. And it's about putting this country on a path back to democracy and away from fascism or communism. So, 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 Tony, you know, again, you're an observer. You've got a lot of historians you've published. I mean, you've put Dershowitz is over in your imprints. Lots of people that have a, a great perspective. Um, what's the path? If you're a day, I mean, you know, there, there's lots of lots of writing and talking on uh, in the, uh, uh, you know, of, of the two party system. We're stuck with it and all that. And, you know, people like Ross Perot tried to break us out of it. Didn't happen. Reform Party didn't happen. Um, what's the path forward? Is it is RFK Jr. going to have I mean, is he going to succeed by getting cobbling together? MAGA voters, because MAGA, uh, I don't know, MAGA uh, voters are, are somehow maybe they're maybe the point here is they try to take Trump completely out of the race. But it, what's his what's his pathway? And you got you know, a lot of people, Tony. I mean, you're you're not just a um, uh, an, an advocate for free speech. You're a successful businessman, an attorney. Uh, these Democrats got to be telling you that they're worried or, or are they telling you? No, they're not worried. I think that they're scared to death because. They have this plan, and this plan is about more war, more government power, less freedom of speech, less safe borders. I mean, these are things that no American should want, and I don't believe that Americans really want it. And the only way that they can be persuaded to, to, to want these things is if they're lied to and if they're repeatedly lied to. And so one of the things that they do with somebody like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is that you have a poll that comes out. It's the Harvard Harris poll and they just leave Bobby out. Mm. So, you know, he's, he's getting 22, 23% in, in real polls. And so they do a poll and they look at 15 Democrats and they have Democrats who have no intention of running for president. They have Democrats like Bernie Sanders who have already endorsed uh, president Biden. And they're just listing all of these names to make it look like polling means something. But they leave out the fastest growing, I mean, the the most quickly changing candidate and changing in the sense that that a lot of Democrats believed that they did not like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And they're Mm -hmm. finding out that when they see him on a podcast, when they hear him on a radio show, that they actually really do like the things that he's saying, that those things resonate with them and that those things should be and have to be important to all Americans of whatever political party, because America has just gone in the wrong direction. And we need a kind of a unity candidate who's going to heal the divide. Maybe even somebody, I mean, I mean, Bobby Kennedy is the classic American candidate in the sense that for years, people have been trying to induce him to run or even give him sort of a free seat that that came vacant now and then as a as a senator or maybe even as governor. Um, and, and he never wanted it because he doesn't really want to be a politician, but he's doing it now because he doesn't see anybody else who will do it. Anybody else who will heal the divide, protect the Constitution, get us out of these forever wars and get us out of this sort of corporate kleptocracy that's taken over the country. And that I think once he's done with that, he'll just get out of politics. 
Yeah. I mean, he would, he would like other people to be these, you know, lifelong politicians that 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 all of us hate. <laughs> I got uh, Tony. I'm out of time. I got to run. Tony Lines, everybody. I'll put up on social media links to uh, both that book and some of his other stuff. Uh, very interesting. Again, as I said to our listeners, uh, Tony Lyons is not only a businessman, attorney, but experienced uh, broadly in uh, politics and public relations. So, uh, very interesting perspective. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great uh, chance to visit with the uh, one and only Dr. Carol M. Swain. Uh, If you go to carolmswain.com, that's her website. You'll see her many books, uh, her public speaking, her uh, media work, her nonprofit work. She's been an extraordinary uh, professor as well as a candidate. Before we get into the reason I actually reached out to her, I did want to ask you, Dr. Swain, because I saw on Twitter or somewhere someone said, why don't you run? And you said that was the season of that past a lot of us loved that you were a candidate and uh you ran uh i think i don't know how many times but um you wrote that that season's passed huh that's not that's not for now huh right uh, i was a candidate in 2018 in a special election there it is, and 2019 yeah. in right. the general election and what surprised people is that i came in number two in 2018 2019 i came in number three i was grossly out Spent hmm. and um, they changed the whole method of voting so that in 2019, <laughs> when I went to vote for myself, I couldn't find my name. Uh, the machines had changed, and my name was on the bottom of the second page, and my wow. stomach sank. The other wow. thing that happened during that election in 2019 is that our Facebook page for the mayoral contest, yeah, we could not post anything all day, we were going to post reminders for people to vote and to, you know, get out to the polls. Uh, we could not post until after 7 p.m. that evening on Facebook. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that's well. So you were a pre uh, before all this other attention on voter irregularities. It certainly I hadn't heard that. Um, let me say, Dr. Swain, by the way, one of the things I my daughter goes to Virginia Tech, where I know you I think you did a master's yes. degree there. So yes. I told her, I said, there's all these great people that went to uh, Virginia Tech. So and uh, and you, you, of course, went on to your a Ph.D. Um, so but I want to ask you, though, the reason I reached out to you is so grateful that you spent time with me today and our listeners. You wrote a piece in 2000 and was it nine yeah it's a long time ago now about the southern poverty law center and my question for you is you watch the southern poverty law center it, all these years later it is accorded uh authority that is just insane i, I mean how do you a- analyze this how do you see this it, it's it's crazy that they're still uh having influence and not seen as a partisan player well, uh, Ed, back in, in 2000, uh, 2002, Cambridge University published a book of mine titled The New White Nationalism in America, It's Challenged Integration. And during that time, the Southern Poverty Law Center was seen as an authoritative source, you know, for data. And I right. was an academic at the time. At uh, I started the book while I was at Princeton. And at that time, there were some criticisms of their work. I noted those criticisms, but they were seen as 
more legitimate, I have watched over the passage of time as real white nationalism and white supremacy receded, then they started going after, uh, you know, anti-immigration individuals or people that criticize illegal immigration. They started going after critics of illegal immigration first. And so they, uh, and then I, eventually they got to me, but that was after I wrote the article criticizing them. I see. Is but again, um, that's interesting. So that's I think in the piece from 2009, which I'm looking at, which was you you referred to mission creep, and you were saying so. Your point here is, and this one is that it's they've transformed over these many years. I I don't I didn't know that history, but now they 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 get to jump up and say who's uh, who's uh, a a bad group and who's a not who's not, and they get accorded respect for it. And the newest one I think is it's Moms for Liberty or one of the groups is, uh, and then somebody did an analysis and said, look, if you go to Southern Poverty Law Center, any of the conservative pro-family uh, mom groups are link- are listed there as, as uh, you know, um, terrible. Yeah, I mean, they've always had a double standard. And the article that you referred to, back then I was writing for the Huffington Post, I pointed out that double standards when it had to do with this black militant group that were intimidating people <laughs> at the polls. Right. And right. so that intimidation has been going on for a long time. And they have been very reluctant to label leftist groups as hate groups. And you may recall in that uh, blog, I ended it by saying that instead of monitoring hate groups, that the Southern Poverty Law Center had become one. And mm. I guess I crushed them because <laughs> it was probably October 2009 that uh, I picked up my Tennessean and I was on the front page. And in that article, they said that I was an apologist for white supremacy. Yeah. And and the, the book that I wrote about white nationalism, they did not like it because part of my argument was that, you know, the old style, you know, white supremacists, people that believe that because of their race, they were superior to other groups. That was uh, that group had. There was a minority, and the KKK probably at that time didn't have two thousand members in the whole country. Mm-hmm. The neo Nazis were almost gone. For all practical purposes, old fashioned racism was over. But a lot of white people had grievances and grievances, and these grievances had to do with racial double standards. They felt that they were being discriminated against because of their race and that there was no one standing up for them. They also complained about how other um, groups could celebrate their pride and where they came from in their history, every group except white people. So there were racial double standards that were being echoed at the time and a strong sense that affirmative action uh, was reverse discrimination against them And the book concluded that we needed to move away from multiculturalism and identity politics towards the American national identity. And Mm. I also, in my concluding chapter, I talked about black Americans, what they needed to do to help improve race relations and what our nation needed to do as a whole. The book was a disappointment uh, to uh, liberals and conservatives. Liberals (laughs) did not like it because I said that... um, 
you need to get rid of identity politics and multiculturalism and that black people bore some responsibility for the state of race relations. And conservatives didn't like it because they felt like um, they were being picked on because at the time I pointed out that there were conditions that were converging that would create a double, devil's brief for racial unrest. And that include mm. included the um, liberal immigration policies, concerns mm. about racial preferences being unfair, the um, uh, black on white crime, that there's always been a double standard there. Right. And I saw the internet. And so this, again, this book was published in 2002. I saw how the internet would play a role in dividing people. Hmm. And so people that, uh, you know, many people then, uh, uh, some of the uh, journalists said the book was prescient. And then when Trump was elected, I was asked, oh, so this is what you were talking about. You were writing about, you know, people like Donald Trump. And I said, no, uh, that's not what I was writing about in this book. And I have never thought that Donald Trump was a white supremacist or a white nationalist. I saw him as this populist candidate that understood people who felt like they had been neglected, their voices were not being heard, and that they needed, uh, he showed them that he cared about people like them. And it was people that were marginalized, not just white people. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Dr. Carol Swain, and uh, I want to make sure to tell you her website, carolmswain.com. You can go find her books. Uh, uh, one of your books, Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. This is from 2021, so almost 20 years after the book you just described. By now, uh, you, you're writing about what you've seen in terms of critical race theory. And and is it is it too, am I too, um, am I too glib to say something like, in in the absence of real white supremacy and real uh, problem of racism, which you described in 2002 or so, saying, hey, well, here's where we are. In the two decades since then, we've sort of replaced it with a sort of a racism. Uh, like, oh, let's let's be racist about each other, but we'll call it critical, critical race theory. Well, let me just tell you that uh, when President Obama was elected and he started uh, um getting involved in 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 race you know yeah. whether we're talking about the incident at Harvard with professor right. Henry Louis Gates where the police officer stopped him while he was breaking into his his own house <laughs> right but um the police officer wanted identification he wouldn't provide it so it, it created you know uh, this this chaos but there were several things that the Obama administration did that really, took us down this path of critical race theory. Critical race theory has been around since the 1970s. It's been at colleges and universities. And what Obama did was put people in power who were Marxists, and uh, they are responsible for dividing us and also for getting the uh, theories into the K-12 through educational realm. Mm -hmm. And I told people after Obama was elected that if I wanted to... Um, ignite a race war in America, I would do everything the Democrats are doing. I would do everything he was doing because I saw that at the end of the day that they were really stoking division and it started with President Obama. Hmm. 
What happens now? Dr. Carol Swain is our guest. Carol M. Swain.com is her website. What happens next? You know, the, the, as you mentioned, you mentioned, you put things, two things together now for me. You know, you were writing in 2002 or so about the internet and how it could cause division. Well, that's clear now, right? I mean, that's, we're living that. The internet and the people on the internet and the media that has to rely on the internet, it, they're just tearing us apart as part of the business model. I, I think part of it is a business model and part of it is Marxists that, that hate the country or, or like the dialect and the and the fight but but one of the overlays is race and so the you know and and we're headed towards an election cycle where yesterday or two days ago um in one of the award ceremonies uh, the hamilton actress um said that ron DeSantis is like the kkk uh you know grand wizard you say well so it's not just trump that they're going to call that name it's anybody that's against the ruling regime is going to be called kkk and the problem is it works because I went to something this past weekend and I saw someone that I hadn't seen in a long time. And her response to me was that guy, Josh Hawley, he's a white supremacist. And I said, holy cow, I'm from Missouri. I know that guy. He's a lot of things, but he's not a white supremacist. She said, no, no, no. I, saw him. I saw So, so where are we headed? Well, I mean, all white people can be dismissed as white supremacists because they have redefined what is a white nationalist? What is a white supremacist? They even call black people who are conservative black white supremacists. <laughs> right. And I want to tell you also that my book, Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise, published in uh, 2011. Uh, in that book, I warned about uh, the Obama administration's alliance that they were setting up with Google and the National Security Association. And during that time, the Pentagon had floated a proposal to create an office for disinformation that was supposed to uh, put out articles and things to deceive America's enemies. And anything that they did in other countries, you would know that they would do it here. And you may recall that Obama sought and received permission to assassinate American citizens suspected of ter terrorism, not convicted, but suspected of terrorism. So in my 2011 book, uh, Be the People, I warned about that. And presently, I have a book that uh, should be released uh, in July or August after the Supreme Court rules uh, on affirmative action that really talks about uh, its connection to DEI. And I believe if the court does the right thing, and strikes down race-based affirmative action, it will have implications for the DEI or uh, CRT regime. Well, you know, Carol Swain, I hope whatever, however it is, I'm glad to hear about that book. And I, I see the book now on your website, carolmswain.com, Be the People, um, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise. Um, and all your, all her books are there. If you go there, I'll put this link up on social media. I, I know you said you're, um, uh, not running for office that season's past, but I sure value your voice and I'm grateful for your time now. And I hope you will continue to find, uh, outlets for that because I think people, your wisdom is, uh, earned, as we say, and uh, and real, and so it's um, very helpful. So thank you for the time today, and I wish you all the best and hope to hear lots from you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. I'll put up on social media links to her website. Um, I would tell you her bio is the most extraordinary thing, because it is, but then you look at her books. I was just going through them as we were talking, and one after another is perfect, pitch perfect for this moment, um, so we need to check them out. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. 
This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. What is unthinkable at the beginning of a war can become inevitable as war drags on and people are hardened by its atrocities. The vicious use of chemical weapons unfortunately became prevalent as World War I wore on, to the point where both sides began wearing gas masks. Neither President Joe Biden nor NATO should be playing a game of nuclear chess with the grandmasters in Russia. As Biden and entrenched D.C. politicians of both parties scheme to involve the United States further in a border war on the other side of the globe, Donald Trump is the most outspoken voice against it. The American people, particularly the all-important young voters, want no part of a confrontation with Russia, with the possibility that battlefield nukes could eventually be deployed. Biden and the leftist leaders of NATO, however, continue to provoke Russia to the point where it moved nuclear weapons into position for possible battlefield use. This escalating war has pushed Russia into a stronger alliance with another adversary holding many nuclear warheads and that is communist China. While much has been speculated about what this alliance could mean on the battlefield, there's no doubt that a collaboration between the two regimes is not good for American military superiority. However, Russia and China are not the only regimes that America should be worried about right now. Communist North Korea fired two warning missiles against the arrival nearby of a U.S. aircraft carrier. President Biden has limited bandwidth for conflicts halfway around the world, and North Korea might exploit Biden's obsession with Russia. All of this says nothing of the threat of a nuclear Iran, which grows more and more plausible with the Biden administration's influence. In short, the world is on the brink of nuclear chaos on several different levels, and America needs strong leaders to deal with these crises. No one honestly thinks that Joe Biden is the man for that job. We need a leader who knows how to play tough, play smart, and value American lives and interests. Nuclear war is a bad deal for America. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I'm going to do something I haven't done in a while. I'm going to preview a book for you. Uh, in a couple of days, I'm going to interview Jamie Glassoff. Jamie Glassoff is a uh, a professor, I think. He's been a professor, but he mostly is a writer now. And he's the editor of Front Page Magazine, the um, the um, uh, website of uh, David Horowitz Freedom Center. And he's got a book out called Barack Obama's True Legacy, How He Transformed America. And it's Jamie Glassoff is the editor. He wrote, writes a couple of the uh, uh, chapters in here, but many of the chapters are written by other folks. Um, and it's really good. It is really good. About 18 chapters. Uh, Joseph Klein writes a couple chapters. Trevor Loudon's got a chapter or two, maybe two. Yeah. Uh, John Drew. Anyway, it goes through Barack Obama's legacy, the true legacy. Legacy, And I have to tell you, when you read it, 
in black and white, chapter by chapter, you realize how fundamental his trans. He said that he's going to fundamentally transform America and his people did it. Uh, you heard Carol Swain a few minutes ago talking about uh, how Obama's administration, she gave it a chance. She was thinking, well, it's an African-American. By the time it was a little while in, she knew it was trouble. In fact, I think she I think basically she knew the whole time, but she was sort of being nice. A lot of people did that. They thought, well, this is really cool progress. America's elected an African-American guy, but he was not like Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was just happy to be there and and maybe uh, uh, be a pig and use his power to uh, take care of his family and take care of his needs, his deviant needs, it seems. Uh, but Obama was really about transforming America. And he went about it systematically, put people in place, put people in power that could do things to dramatically change America. It's a really interesting book. Again, Jamie Glazov, G-L-A-Z-O-V. He's the editor of uh, David Horowitz Freedom Center's Front Page Magazine. And um, the book is called Barack Obama's True Legacy, How He Transformed America. We'll talk with Jamie in a few uh, days here on the show. So that's all I've got. Thank you, Noah Dingley, our great producer, Ryan Hyde, our associate producer. And you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.